0: What's going on coaches? Excited to be back with the kids getting to work out. Um, hopefully you guys are as well here this weekend. I'm also really excited going to uh, coaches school uh, or the, the high school coaches association clinic for Texas uh, high school coaches and, and college coaches I guess will be there as well. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm the, the new one. So Excited to get there, listen to some guys talk, excited to see some of you guys out there. Please stop me, say hello, let's talk some football. Um, I'm excited to to meet a bunch of new people and hopefully learn a ton of football, so excited to do that. I'll be going to some of those, obviously some of the talks, and then also looking to find some breakout rooms to, to dive deeper into things and, and try to learn some ball from you guys, so uh, excited to see everyone out there again. Um, Make sure you, if you see me, whatever, hey, just tap me on the shoulder. Let's go, let's talk some football. I, I'm excited for it. Um, if you guys need anything from us for Run the Power, again, as always, you can head over to runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52 week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at LegendRings.com. This episode of the RTP Podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us, if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull. Uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves times on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com/RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Jeff Steinberg. Coach Steinberg is the head coach at Beaumont High School in Beaumont, California. Listen, we talk with Coach Steinberg about his unique coaching journeys, hiring good assistant coaches, building programs, and building a high-powered offense. We also talk about his new book, The Plan to Win. You can follow Coach Steinberg on Twitter at CoachSteiney. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: I feel like I've got a fairly unique, well, a lot of football stories. It's kind of just really cool to, you know, see where guys came from and how they kind of like grew up in in with the game and and there's a lot of uniqueness obviously. Um, mine for you know I guess what you would expect would be you know very very different than than a lot of guys that that you spoke to. I'm, I I actually grew up in Canada and played all of my youth and high school and college football in Canada. Uh, and uh, you know I I look back and you. you you kind of you know maybe wonder how did i get to this or who were my influences and i was really fortunate um even as a player to have coaches that were just you know knew the game of football but were just outstanding men um who helped uh i guess mold me and guide me along the way and and um you know i was kind of lost at at some points uh, parents parents uh, divorced and, and uh, not that it was a bad home life, but you know, sometimes you kind of need a, you need another father figure. And uh, I had coaches at that point in my life who helped guide me. And then in college being a little lost as to, you know, What I was going to do, when I quickly found out I I didn't stand a chance of playing in any professional league. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a
0: that's a tough realization to come to, Coach. I've been there as well. For
1: for some more than others, and you know, you kind of grow up with like this is my dream, and you you're you're ultra focused, and then you know, reality sets in, um, which isn't a bad thing. But I didn't really have a fallback. Like I just lived for playing sports, and obviously, football was super important. But just you know, just wasn't going to go any further after after playing um Canadian uh, um, university football. And so it was about that time where my college coach um, kind of helped guide me towards uh, a, a career in education. And it was one of those things where you wonder, like, why didn't I think of this years ago? like I love like i I obviously love the game. I love helping. Um, you know, young people, like whenever we had camps at, at the university, I always helped with the camps and stuff. And, and I even got involved out in the community as I was finishing my degree. And so it was really just a natural, natural fit. Um, and then early in my coaching career, I moved back to my hometown uh, of Winnipeg. And uh, there was a coach that had been coaching high school for a long time, Brian Doby who uh, I, we crossed paths. I think I was subbing at one point at, at his high school. And, and uh, when he had found out that I moved back to, uh, to Winnipeg, he, uh, he got me a position on staff and uh, then managed to get me like a permanent position. And uh, I became part of his staff at the high school and uh, learned under him. And he, again, like just a, a great football coach, but even a better, better man and, and just an awesome guy to learn under. And then when he uh, wound up getting the, uh, the job at the University of Manitoba, uh, I had an opportunity to join his staff there coaching quarterbacks. And so it's very very similar to, I guess, like D3, where a lot of the coaches are walk-ons. Um, so I would coach, I would teach high school during the day, and then at the end of the day, hustle over to the university, get there on time for meetings, watch practice, help with film after, do all that stuff, get home late, uh, very fortunate that I, I my wife was always supportive. Right from when I met her, she knew I was coaching, and so she she quickly got acclimated to the way that you know the way the the uh, the year works. Uh, you know when you're when you're in season and out of season, there's always football going on, and uh, so we I just loved coaching, and had a blast learning under Coach Doby. My brother was living in uh, in California at the time, and we would go visit him. And I just loved coming out in March at spring break and being in shorts. I thought it was the coolest thing. Did a little bit of research, (laughs) did a little bit of research of what the high school scene was like here. And I thought this would be like pretty good opportunity to, uh, to see if I could uh, get a job out here and coach. And, uh, and I wound up uh, applying at Burroughs high school. This was like when the internet was really in its infant infancy with like just applying online. So this is, 1997, 98, I applied to, uh, for the head job at Burroughs high school. I came down for a job interview in May. So they weren't even, this was going to be a late start if I got the job. Um, and, uh, I wound up, uh, getting hired. I got out there at the very beginning of July. So they're already, already half the summer's gone. And it was an opportunity for me to put a staff together real fast and uh, start applying uh, my philosophy on football and working with kids and, and getting the community involved. And uh, we kind of went through the first four years of improving and then bang, we like, we hit it. We started being ultra successful, getting kids out. We were a one high school town, which is very rare in California, especially now. And uh, it, was, it was just awesome. It was awesome. And uh, my last few years there, I, I had some schools approach me and never really took them seriously till my last year at Burroughs, where we kind of felt like, okay, this is going to be an opportunity to maybe move to a, a bigger community. Let's look into some of these. So that led me to A.B. Miller High School in Fontana. So we moved from Ridgecrest to uh, down to the Inland Empire, Riverside, San Bernardino area. And uh, took the job there. I was there for three years. We turned that program around. Had a blast. Uh, and then uh, and then Santiago uh, came came calling. And uh, I had an opportunity to uh, to go to Santiago, where I really thought like this would be just a great great landing spot. Like I don't I don't see myself going anywhere. But the commute after six years just became really hard, and it was impossible for us to make the move financially from where we were living to the city of Corona. We were it, just with the way the housing kind of market crashed and everything, there was going to be no way we were going to be able to sell our house and, and get into a house there. And uh, after, you know, six years of commuting and the kids kind of growing up and, and not being around for bedtime much, I just felt like I was missing out on those things and, and I needed to find a spot closer to home. And so I took the job at Rancho Verde High School. Uh, which has a, an incredible football culture uh, thanks to uh, Pete Duffy who really got things going there. And, uh, and I thought, you know what, as good as it is, there's going to, there's going to be some things where I think that we can improve in the, in the program. Like I think you should, when you take jobs, like don't take jobs just to kind of go sit and park your butt, sit, take a job and find out what the challenges are there. Cause every school has challenges and see what you can do in terms of improving those challenges. And so took the job there. I was there for, uh, for three years. And then uh, my last year, as we were getting ready for the playoffs, the, the principal at Beaumont High School called me in, in the community that I live. Um, and so we had a quick conversation, but I felt like I needed to finish off my season and focus on, on what we were doing. We wound up winning a CIF championship with a fairly young team. And uh, I met with her a few times after that and uh, went for the official job interview and and took the job. And uh, I'm literally five minutes away from the school. Two of my daughters are here. The rest of my kids will come through the school. Um, We're a very fast growing community. I think we're the largest or the fastest growing community in in the entire state. The school um, district has decided that they're not gonna build another high school, that they're just gonna build onto the school so that we can- uh, That's nice. Yeah. So like their plan is that we're going to eventually support an enrollment of 5,000 kids. And so again, like I started my career at a one high school community and I saw all the advantages of being in a community like that. And my plan is to finish, finish here. And I've got a lot of years left, but I I feel like in a lot of ways, the way the community is growing, it's almost like, like coming to a, uh, a brand new high school with like, You know, just a a lot of opportunity to to grow and uh, and maximize our program. So I know a little long winded, but um, but, uh, you know, quite a story, a lot of a lot of a lot of different stops. Every stop's been incredible. I've had an opportunity to put together like a different staff at every school, uh, not having a chance to bring guys with me at most places. And uh, it's been fun doing all of that.
0: So, Coach, I, I've just been through a recent change uh, myself. I just, you know, I'm moving to Texas, got a new job in Texas, um, and, and, you know, not as a head coach, but as as an assistant coach. So uh, I've actually been through at my old school. Uh, a new coach came in. Uh, he had the opportunity to keep who he wants and bring who he wants and and go through all of that. So when you're going into a new situation, into a new school, um, and whether you get to bring guys or not, you still want to take, you know, go there and just figure out, okay, what do I have on this staff? What are some of the things that that you're looking to do or you're looking to find out? Or are there certain positions you want to look at and find first on your coaching staff? What is that process kind of like?
1: So, 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 so you and and it is a process because while you're doing that, you have to also meet with every player in the program. And this is stuff that like I love. So so while I'm meeting with all the kids, because I want to wanna find out, like, what are the things that, that they embrace in the program? What are some traditions that they love or things that they do that, that, are, that are terrific? Or, or where do they feel like the program wasn't quite fair or needs to improve? And, and I let every player have a voice, and they come in, and I get a chance to sit down and, and start to know the kids. And then at the same time, like, I've always wondered why guys have to go into a program, whether the program's been an incredible perennial power, or whether it's been, you know, a, a doormat. I've always wondered why guys have to come in and in order to make themselves look good, like blow up everything that's been done in the past in the program. And I try to embrace as much as possible and honor and honor the guys that, that came here before me. Um, so I always make sure to meet with, with coaches that have been on the staff because I want them to find out like, like maybe it's not a case of me not wanting to coach them to come on my staff, maybe they're gonna find some stuff with me where they just can't coach with me you know what I mean like um, it, it's crazy to think that it's 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 a one way street it's a two way street so i uh, I meet with with this previous staff um, individually and uh, and I sell myself to them and I sell my vision of the football program to them because I feel like if I can communicate that clearly I'll know right away um, if they're a fit for the program or if they even want to be part of the program um, so I make sure to meet with them while at the same time uh, talking to other coaches who who've uh, who've hit me up or that I've identified that I'd like to get on staff. And so, um, you know, when I took the job here, when I took the job here, I hadn't um, officially started. I I had been announced as the head coach, but I hadn't started yet. So there's a, a Starbucks down the street and that was kind of my office. For a couple weeks where I was bringing, bringing guys in and, and Hey, if you can't w- meet with me over a cup of coffee, you're probably not going to be right for this, for the staff. And I know that some coaches feel like, like there's other beverages that if you can't sit down with them and have that, then you're probably not a fit for the staff. Well, my drink of choice is coffee. So, <laughs> so guys have to be able to sit down and have a cup with me. Now um, I'll give our running back coach, Jamie Ramirez an out, like, he's just not a co- It's, it's weird. He's an ex Marine, but he's not a coffee drinker. He drinks tea, so he uh I think when we met he had his tea and I had my coffee and i and I was fine with that and and he was <laughs> what's
0: uh so coach that brings up a funny point to me, so you bring him in, you have coffee does what they order does that say anything about him? You got the guy, and I'm sure uh like you said, your guy orders tea. I would have, I'm start thinking one way about the guy. Then you say he's ex marine, so that kind of really flips on what I thought was going to be, you know, the thoughts about it. But uh, are you judging their their coffee uh, of choice? Any?
1: So, so probably tea and not ex marine wouldn't be a good fit. But the, the, <laughs> right. And, and by the way, I know there's. I'm probably like a lot of marines <laughs> are cringing. There's no such thing as an ex marine. You're a marine. So he's sure. he had to remind me of that several times. But, um, <laughs> Um, so, you know, like if it's going to be like a frappuccino or something, like, I know that like, you got to detailing them a lot of different things. So you're probably, I could say you're high maintenance, but at the same time, you're incredibly detailed as well. So I won't hold that against them. But like, you know, like I, I kind of, uh, dig the guys that can kind of sit down and just have a cup of regular coffee, but I don't, I don't dive into that too much.
2: Coach Ben, you, you piqued my interest when you were, you were talking about, you know, kind of your history and, and how, you know, when you go into some of these places, you, you want to kind of find out the, the challenges of the job or find out the, the barriers. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of research on that this offseason. So again, that, that's, it perked up my ears. Um, and I wanted to know, is, is that something maybe you're asking the original staff to as well? Like, hey, man, what, what were some of the challenges or what were some of the barriers? What are some things we have to remove to maybe take this program to the next level?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, uh, and, you know, so you, you've also got to filter some of that stuff because sometimes, you know, guys may not have um, uh, a wide peripheral and all of that. So you, you, you kind of have to weigh things, but sometimes there's some common things coming up, but guys, here's an important thing is like, when I go, when I've gone and interviewed, I've tried as much as possible to find what the challenges are in that program. Um, and I will bring it up in the interview. And I think that like that's really allowed me to to, um, to to I guess be the finalist or be the guy for some of the jobs is that I had a, a keen awareness on on things that I could identify where we can improve on. Um, and, it, it, you know, I'm thinking back, I even turned wound up turning down a job after meeting with a school for a considerable amount of time and 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 number of meetings where I told them what I felt the challenges were, but they just couldn't p- get past. Um, okay. If like, when you come on staff, like, are are you really going to throw the ball that much? And I said, Hey guys, like whether we run or, or throw the ball, isn't the challenge here you've got, you've got some other challenges that need to be addressed. And I brought them up, but we were never really on the same page. So the, the, the final thing was, I just, I told, I told my wife and it, and it, it, it is a pretty, it's still an incredible place to be. Um, I told my wife, hey, like, like, sweetheart, there's just no way I could take this job.
0: So, coach, that's, you know, uh, and and the other part of that and and me kind of going through this process a little bit is um, I I think obviously each school is so different. Like you said, not just the challenges and and the benefits to each different school. But like, uh, as you said, there's some schools where they've got some weird tradition. All right, maybe not weird, but it's weird to you coming in. But the guy that's lived there for sixty years, they've always worn yellow helmets. What whatever the deal is, right? You come in, you, you not you, but a coach comes in. He's like, man, I hate these yellow helmets. Let's go with with a, a a more a color that the kids like, or or whatever that deal is. And then, oh, lo and behold, that's like what the school's known for is a yellow helmets or whatever that little thing is, or they used to always go by this thing when they came to the game. And now that's out of the way. So we don't now. And, and there's a lot of little different things in high school football. Is that something you go in? I know you said you talk to the kids. Are you talking to administration too, about those type of things to try to stay on top of those?
1: Yeah. You, you know, and, and, and again, like that brings me to another one, like, like coaches are, Famous for for going into a school and just deciding deciding that you know we need new uniforms and and we need to change the helmet and and I, again I think there's sometimes where it's probably warranted and and you know like a program maybe needs just to breathe some 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 CPR or, or some tender loving care into the program um, but there's a lot of times where you can embrace some of that stuff and I think that like like there's some schools that do have some traditions in terms of the colors and and what you can do with the with the uniforms and and thank goodness now like a lot of people are getting into the 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 branding um, where the athletics department like there's only a few different types of logos you can use and and here's the color schemes that you get and I think those only make programs stronger so that so that like the football program isn't different than the baseball program. And, and, you know, like where, where the football programs using like a copied like NFL or college logo and, and the baseball program using like a major league baseball logo. And, and I think that like branding is so important and, and embracing things so that like you're seen as like, as much as you want to be great with your football program, like you're part of the athletics program and the more uniform you can look, the better and, and and I think that it's important to look into some of those traditions or or things that may be maybe a little a little quirky to you coming in, but like I think you also have to ask yourself too, like, okay, like like could I live with coaching at a team that like in a program that's like brown and, and yellow as their colors. Like you've got to sometimes get over that stuff or get over yourself.
2: I love that answer too, coach. And you know a, a lot of people I think you'll 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 talk to somebody maybe outside of football, they're like, man, you know, how, how can uniforms and a brand and that stuff, you know, really mean that much? Well, it means a lot to the kids, you know, they want to have pride. The community wants to have pride in that. I mean, we, we talked to a couple of our guys, you know, this week we'll, we'll, we'll bust out some alternate uniforms for state track meet, you know, kids want to wear black or kids want to wear something, but I think it adds an added dimension to, you know, kind of earning the right, but also, they could kind of put their stamp of individuality a little bit uh, on the program as well.
1: I totally agree with you and and like you like again like I think like you've got to be in tune with things that kids find important too. You know, it can't just be like I know like like programs are like, you know, um, you know, led by led by like men, but as as a as a man who works with young kids every day, You've got to be in tune with things that are important to them, because before you can get them to buy into the stuff that you're about, you've got to buy into stuff that they're about too.
0: That's a That's a great point, coach. And, and that kind of brings me to where I've kind of found a a, um, a, a, a break in my thoughts. Uh, I've always personally been, um, I say always six years of my coaching career, been a run the ball first uh take the clock take that out of it make them you know uh ground and pound type of an offense um the more i learn from coaches uh the more I, i'm around coach walls being about hey let's get all of the best athletes from our school out to play the game the more that i i don't know that necessarily that means i believe more in a spread up tempo more fun i don't know necessarily that I don't know that I think that wins football games, but I do see that it gets you almost in every case better athletes out on the field. Uh, because like, like I said, those big basketball players that don't really want to run a boring offense, go see you throw the ball around and be up tempo and, and enjoy practice. Then, okay. Now they do want to come out and play football and those track kids want to come out. And so, um, it, I would assume that has to be a balance as well. I know you talked about throwing the ball around a little bit, but uh, I think that that's where a a part that I'm struggling with a little right now is uh, I believe in this offense where we take a lot of time out of the clock. And I think very few teams do it anymore. And I, so I think it's difficult to defend, but also you're not going to probably get all of the best athletes on your school out for your football program. Most of the time, if if that's the way that you go.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I'm sure there's guys that could very easily show examples of, of where you can. Um, I do know that kids want to be part of a winner. Like, so, you know, whether you're running the ball and pounding it, pounding the ball, um, or you're, you're, you know, just airing it out, kids want to like success to them is fun. And so, I think that like you've gotta you've gotta find like you know what 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 do you have for talent, and then how can you best use that talent and um you know a lot of a lot of true athletes football teams are getting more athletes now playing. it's not just you know um you know the 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 bigger body types like we're getting you know smaller guys that can make plays in space, and I think that it's just being a smart football coach to be able to use those guys wisely
0: right, right and, and so. I guess, that, yeah, that's a better way to look at it. Let's get there. Let's see who we've got. Um, and like you said, if you win, hey, kids want to be a part of winners. Um, it's just when you first go into a place, if you shock them, you know what I mean, you've got to almost build up that winning culture um, and and find ways, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, find ways to make practice more fun. Find sure. ways to make offseason less miserable uh, than the than the way that, I think we've always thought of off season. At least I did as a player. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, like, like, I know that like, you know, when I played probably when you guys played, like you could embrace the coming in and just like, just pounding the weights in the off season and uh, the conditioning and the, the, the longer practices, but you know, the world, the world's changed. Um, and like just people just, you know, nobody sits and watches a movie for three hours anymore either. So um, you've got to, you've got to build some stuff into the program where there's a little bit of like, like fun little breaks. We, we, it's not really a break, but it's like, you know, like we do conditioning, but it's dressed up as a drill, um, and, or different drills. And, and we build some, some fun workouts in where it's just, it's just dressed up like some sort of competition. And so I feel like when you can build the fun in, into it, the kids are, are, are learning to work hard and, and But it's just kind of dressed up and I'm not like we're not talking about like like goofing around and messing around like one of the I'll give an example one of the things that like I've always loved during the offseason is is a game um, on the volleyball court played with a uh, a med ball and it's called it's called Hoover ball and uh, you're just like you've got a team on each side and you're just throwing the ball trying to land the ball on the other side of the court um, to get points. And so it's a, it's an incredible workout. When I was at Rancho Verde, it was like every Wednesday during the off season, we were doing that for 45 minutes. We were going to do that. And then we were going to get a little bit of core and some other stuff done, but the kid lived for it. And I found that when we went back to the weight room on Thursday, cause we lifted Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I felt like when we went back to the weight room on Thursday, the kids were on fire because we weren't just wearing them into the ground every day. And, and then, and then like, you know, like the, the case for playing music uh, in workouts or at practice. And I know some coaches are, are dead set against it. Well, I know when I work out, I'm wearing my headset. I need music. It really does some things to me. Like, um, so, so we do music at practice too, with the kids and nobody's standing around and dancing, but there's just a little more energy.
2: Couldn't agree more coach. Totally, uh, totally on board with, with both of that. Um, huge fan of the music at practice, by the way. Uh our our O line coach, <clears throat> not so much. Um see, I've I never
0: gonna... I they always did it in college. I think I was a part of like the first era of like playing music. And I was at Houston and uh, we had Kevin Selman there as the head coach. And so I think we were a part of like that first that first generation of playing music at practice. I don't know if it's just me, but I almost never hear the music during practice. I don't know if it's I'm trained to never hear it, but like we blare it at the past two schools I've been at at practice uh, as the offensive line coach. I guess unless you're just standing right next to it, I almost never hear it or notice that it's even going on at practice. I know the kids do um, and and I, I enjoy it before practice. I hear it sometimes, but I almost never hear it during practice. I don't know. I'm just tuned out of it, I guess.
1: Probably kind of like, you know, the game, you can't hear the crowd noise, really, you're not <laughs> right. But I, and again, I think that's probably another benefit to playing music at practices, is, is the kids get used to that noise where they're just not going to be able to to necessarily hear a coach clearly sometimes. And, and, you know, obviously, for signaling and all that stuff, when you go to team, team time, I think there's a benefit there as well.
2: Coach, when you do kind of, you know, roll in, uh, to, a, to a program and you know you, you again you've kind of outlined what are some things we have to work on you know is that something you're going to be intentional about you know finding solutions for okay here's the challenges here's the barriers do you guys sit down and kind of have a plan for that in the off season, or is it kind of like okay we're going to maybe build it into our overall like standards you know or is it kind of you know the the coach Steinberg system like hey this is what I do we kind of maybe tweak it here and there. Or is it like every place I go, maybe I have to reshape it, rebrand it, reformat it to kind of fit the needs of the new
1: place I'm at? So I think it's a little bit of each. Like, like I, I do have a system of, of you know, the way we're going to do things. Uh, it's, it, kids love structure. So it's, 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 it's structured. There's expectations right away. But I always gauge where the program's at and at what level. At what level can I operate to start? Because I don't think you can go into a program that hasn't been very successful and just start making demands on kids because they've never been there. You have to take them there. And so you have to guide them along the way. Um, you can't just make demands uh, assuming like, okay, I want to take a, a team to a, to a state championship. They've never been there. They've barely ever made the playoffs. Well, they would have no idea what those standards of operation are and, 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 and what the expectations of excellence would be if they've never been anywhere close. So you've kind of got to guide them along the way and, and allow for some teaching moments and not just get, you know, run kids off. And so I like, again, like, I feel like as much as I do have a system in place, I think one of the things that's helped me is just understanding where each program has been at and, and how much the kids can take to start, and then, you know, we kind of we go from there.
0: Yeah, Coach, that's a huge thing, um, and, and I heard that a lot. Like I said, even, even when I was playing, you know, we were at Houston, and we would have guys come in, coaches come in from, you know, Power 5, uh, Power Five schools, and, you know, you would hear grumblings of guys like, hey, this isn't – we're not in – we're not in the Power 5. We're at Conference USA. We don't need to be doing all that. You know, you would hear grumblings of that because those kids, some of those players um, weren't used to or hadn't been around that standard before.
1: Yeah, right. And, and so and that's kind of like, you know, that's that's the role of, of the coaches to be able to manage all that stuff and have a keen eye and uh, and see where you where you need to go. And, and like, OK, how quickly can can we get there? And so I guess, you know, one example is when I got here. To uh, to Beaumont High School in uh, my first year, 2018, they hadn't been to the playoffs since 2012, so none of these kids, none of these kids uh, knew anything about that level. And then on top of it, the year before, they had a coach that was let go for for an incident, and it was just a a really, I guess, not good ending to the to the year previous. So my first thing was that we we have to make this the the most incredible year of our seniors high school experience this they have to have an incredible experience and then the second one is we have to find a way to be able to be in the playoffs and we wound up getting in the playoffs and we were we were literally literally one play away from from playing in the uh, the section championship that year um we 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 we, uh, we lost in the semifinals at the end of the game but um you know, I, I really felt like we gave them an unbelievable send off our senior group. And I felt like we, we took huge steps that year in the program. And so, you know, then the next year, you know, people, coaches go always go like when they're successful is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to pick up where we left off. And, and, um, uh, from, from Bill Belichick, one of the things that I I remember hearing is like, you never pick up where you left off. You reestablish the foundation at the start of every year. Now, when as you get better, like that foundation's gonna get stronger every year and you're gonna be able to reestablish it quicker every year, but you always start back at the foundation every, every year.
0: Well, coach, obviously we, we kind of got in touch with you. We saw you were, you are you know, coming out with a book. It's about, you know, organization, I believe, right? Or your organization for a program. Um, I would assume that this is probably beneficial for all head coaches, but selfishly for me, beneficial for a guy that has yet to become a head coach because every head coach I know and and have been really close with uh, the last few head, you know, last head coach I had and, and other guys I know that have gone through that, um, always talk about all the things they had no idea. They didn't know until they became a head coach. Um, and, unless there is maybe a book or a checklist or something, there's no way to know any of that until you're just sprung into it. Uh, so talk about your book a little bit. Uh, but is it, you know, would it help a guy like me? Like if I decided, Hey, here in uh, next year, which is not necessarily what I want, but next year, I want to become a head coach. Uh, would there be things in your book that I could read through it and, and would maybe put me ahead of the, uh, the hard learning curve that you have that first year as a head coach.
1: Yeah, w- without a doubt. So the name of the book is the plan to win resources for building an elite program. And it's actually, it's actually two in one. So it, it has, it has the book, the plan to win. And it also has my total program manual in terms of like, you know, the manual that I give my coaching staff on, on how we run our own program in there. So there's over, over 260 pages for guys to take a look at. And I, and I think that it's, it's a great book, whether you're aspiring to be a head coach you're you're interviewing to be a head coach, or you just want to make your program better and and have some good resources. And, and you're right. Like there's a lot of things that guys don't consider until they're finally in that seat. Like I always ask guys, like, have you even considered like what you need to be doing year round? Like, I know we have an in season and out of season, but what is your, what is your off season look like? And how do you divide up the year? And, 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 How are you going to be doing your teaching progressions at any, at any given point in the year? And uh, you know, what's your plan on working with parents? And, and while you're working with parents, do you have a philosophy of, of the way you're going to meet with them and and why you would meet with the parents and and what are the logistics of that meeting like? And these are all things that I've really done an entire career of, of, I guess you could call it research because it's, it's always been tweaked, but I started this, the, 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 total program manual, the bare bones of it um, was something that I actually used in my, in my interview when I, uh, when I got to Burroughs high school and obviously it's been, it's evolved and been tweaked since then. But um, it really, I think like when a guy comes on, on my staff, he, he gets the manual. And, and so they quickly find out like the way we operate and, and we, we do use some coaches meetings to, especially during the off season to discuss different points. But I think it'd be an eye opener for a lot of guys to uh, consider things that they haven't even considered. Like I know that a lot of people just take for granted, like practice planning. And, and, and so it's got, it's got the, the week laid out and, and actually it discusses in the practice planning, how we lay out the year and like, like, you know, how many minutes do we give each week to individual and how it gets cut down as the year goes on and, and how, how we actually, decrease the amount of time we're spending on the field as the year goes on so that we can taper and, and keep kids fresh. And, and again, a lot of guys don't even consider that, like, you know, like, I remember when I first got the job, like, okay, I knew that we needed to stretch at the beginning of practice. I knew that there was team time, but what was going to, what was the individual group and special teams periods going to look like? And then, you know, that was back in the day when I started my career, like most guys were running three hour practices and, and um, at the end of the year, does your practice still need to be three hours? And so again, like those are some of the things that are in there. So there's a lot of, lot of great stuff in that, uh, in that book.
2: Coach, I know you'd also put in there some of the things about, you know, designing a strength program around football too. Can you talk to us about maybe a couple of principles that you have? I know, I think a lot of guys, you know, probably do a, a decent job in the off season, but maybe some different things that you're doing in season. I think that's where a, a lot of guys probably miss the boat a little bit in season, maybe.
1: Yeah. So, so like in season, like, I think that it's really important to like, make sure that your workouts aren't too long because, you know, you, I I think that in high school, there's always a time where a kid can be improving their strength. But once you get to the season, like, obviously, you know, them staying fresh and, 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 you know, practice is, is kind of like at the forefront and not that weight training necessarily takes a backseat. But we've just got to decrease the the volume and the amount of time that we're spending lifting because we just don't have as much time. And then the other thing is just to be smart and in, in terms of like you know with the Olympic lifts and uh, and and your legs so that you're not you're not gassing them out at the end of the week. I think like especially now like on social media, there's so much incredible stuff that you can see out there, and, and like a lot of it's advanced that a high school kid necessarily doesn't need need to do. But I always say that like the exercises are almost like plays in an offense. Like you just can't run everything that you like, you have to decide what's important to you and, and build around it. And, and um, you know, there, we, we like, we like, uh, you know, obviously we, we want to train them as, as athletes first, and then, uh, and then work on, work on things that may be a little more specific to their position. Um, But uh, you know, we're, we're limited on the amount of time that we can spend in the weight room and, and, you know that's only one component of getting them ready for the season, and I think those things need to be taken into consideration. And and the really good states are, you know, hiring certified certified strength coaches, and and I think that it's going to be something that continues to uh, to evolve, and and we'll see more of them in the years to come.
0: Coach, one of my biggest questions, and it's because I've I've gone almost f- full circle on the issue, and and I don't have a good answer, um, is and I don't want to say discipline, but, but player discipline. Um, my question with it really is, is I was always of the belief of, hey, there's one way to do it, and if it's wrong, then you're out, and it doesn't matter if you do whatever. If you're the best player and you do this one little thing, and I said you're, you're out, you're out, and let's have all these rules, um, and that's the way I believe for a long time. Then, you know, as I get a little older, I watch like the Jordan documentary and and you see um Rodman go off and and completely leave and mispractice and but the coach finds a way to you know smooth it over with everyone, still lets him play, and then they go win a championship because of it, or you know, partly because of it. And so obviously you don't let your high school kid do that, but there's some there's somewhere in between those two areas, and there's something about Holding your best player responsible to a certain point, but there's also something about a kid that doesn't know—I don't want to say know right from wrong—but has a different upbringing than other kids, and and is a good player. And taking him away from the game hurts your entire team, and probably hurts him as well. How do you find that line to walk, and what is your what is your um, you know thoughts or the way that you go about just that? And I know that's not a great question, but that whole process?
1: Well, that's an awesome question because I think that that would be um, something that, you know, if you talk to 10 different coaches, uh, not that you would have 10 different answers, but everybody has a different take on it. So like, you know, maybe just some, some little pointers would be like, you know, the very first thing that you have to decide as a coach are going to be like, what are what are your non-negotiables? And I think that's important, like as you as you get your own philosophy is to decide, okay, like like what are things like like I just can't negotiate with anybody about. And so once you have those in place, um, I think the second thing is, as you as you come to um, determine what what your standards are going to be about is talk about expectations and not rules in your program, because I think rules, rules tend to tie people down. First off, they hold people back. And then the other thing is when you have rules, generally people will find a way to circumvent that rule. Um, And then you have to create another rule. So my very first few years at Burroughs High School, when I started my first year, I had 10 rules. The second year I had 20 because the first 10, the first 10 weren't solid enough. (laughs) Right. And so it was, it was about that point where I'm like, I got to get rid of these rules because, you know, I'm going to keep making more. And then the other thing is you're going to tie yourself down as a coach because once you put a rule in place, you've got to hold players accountable to those rules. Um, and if you don't, they're gonna, they're, gonna see, they're gonna see right through you. So I think that it's important to talk about expectations um, for behavior, for performance on the field, for academics and how they behave out in the community. And then you have to just decide like, what are gonna be things that like we negotiate and we can, we can teach kids through consequences and what are gonna be things that would just like, you know, um, release a player from the program. And so like, I try as much as possible not to really put rules where, you know, a kid's gonna, gonna sit, you're sitting for doing this, you're missing a quarter for doing that, you're gonna not play in the first half because of this. And so, you know, we talk about being on time and, uh, and practice attendance are, you know, very huge expectations. Um, for players in our program. And uh when a player misses a practice, um, and and we're talking about like an unexcused absence um versus sending a kid home because he's he's ill and we think the the rest would do him some good, or, or or holding a player out of practice because he's still a little injured if he has one more day of of rest. So now the players know that when there's an unexcused absence, like you're just you're not playing. Um, and we don't have unexcused absences. And then the players understand like, yeah, Johnny was here all week. The coach has held him out of some drills and a couple and a couple of, uh, another day. And so, but he's good to go. And the players, the players support that. And that's easy for the players to support when you can communicate that clearly. And when you can communicate your expectations, everybody kind of knows where you want to go and they generally will work towards that as well.
0: So coach, I, I love the answer. Um, and, and it does, it puts, it, it makes sense to me. Um, and, and like you said, I, I can only imagine that the more and more rules that you would have to uh, create off of that. So I, I would think the other difficult part for a head coach is managing the the thoughts or the egos or whatever you want to call it of however other many assistants you have, all 10 other guys, all five, all 12, depending on what school you're at, managing all of them, getting all of them on the same page uh, because there's going to be guys I'm sure – at times that are older than you as the head coach. There's going to be guys that have been head coaches and done it one way. There's going to be winning coaches that are going to be losing coaches on the staff. Um, and and there's going to be ways they would treat things differently or there's going to be beliefs they have or ways they treat kids, not treat them negatively, but ways they treat them maybe that you wouldn't or ways that they do drills differently than, than you would do. Uh, what is that? What is your philosophy when it comes to um, you know, dealing with coaches or I know you got to get them on the same page, but you also have to let them be their own person. Are you a, are you a guy that likes to be in all the weeds with everything they do? Or are you one that says, Hey, take your job and go run with it. What is that process like for you?
1: I, I love the uniqueness of coaches. And I think that makes you stronger as a staff when you have different personalities just like you have different personalities of the kids in your program it just makes for a funner a funner program and 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 just just a, just makes for a great experience so um the other thing is i've i've been really fortunate um, here Rancho Verde High School Santiago High School i had former head coaches on my staff and i think they they are always like some of the best assistants that I've had because they've been there and they know it. And I think what's allowed me to have them on the staff and, and, and allow them to have a good experience is just getting input from them, picking their brain at different times, but at the same time, them understanding the way that I want to run the football program isn't necessarily better than the way that they ran. It's just that this is, this is my program and and they, they get that having having coached at other places. And I think just with the staff in general is being crystal clear with your vision of the football program and your philosophy of working with kids and where you see the program going. And when, when, when things are really clear like that, it makes it easier for people to get out and coach. And and our staff knows that like, I'm not going to jump them in practice. I, I, I don't understand that way where, where coaches will jump their assistants, especially in front of the kids. And uh, I let guys coach and I always tell guys, if I come in and, and I change things, it's just because I really see something that's not in line with, I want done the way I want things done. So I'm going to, I got to hit the brakes really quick. So don't ever be offended. I'm going to just make the corrections. Um, But other than that, guys are allowed to coach, do their job. They do their drills. I talk to them. I correct things after practice or off of the film when I, when I see things. And, uh, I think it makes it just enjoyable for somebody to come on staff and know that they're going to get to run, they're going to get to run their own group and, uh, and have input into, into what we're doing. And then at the same time, I think guys also need to understand the chain of command and how that, how, how it works. So, um, I've been, I've been really fortunate, um, probably again, because of the mistakes you learn at, or, or mistakes you make at some point in learning from them that, um, that just the way the way the chain of command's going to work, and and how the staff chemistry is going to be, and and it's really allowed me to de- develop a philosophy of the kind of guys that I'm going to hire on my staff to work with the kids.
2: Coach man, we haven't had a chance to talk offense yet, so I I want to want to let you be able to go. I can already see you smiling. Um, but you know, you got you guys take over. You got a new program. You know, spread them and shred them. I know I've I've seen some of the stuff you, you've you put out there, but, you know, kind of, kind of walk me through like, man, when you, when you're first installing an offense or your first, it's like your first meeting, whether you're talking to the coaches or you're talking to the players, or the QBs, whoever, you know, what are some of those, those tenets? what are some of the things you're doing to get those guys excited about it? Because you know, you're going to be scoring points when uh, when you get the thing rolling, rolling.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, so our thing is, is, and again, like, I, it's almost like I'm embarrassed to tell people like, like we're, 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 spread no huddle because who isn't right. And so, but we've been doing this since 1999. And uh, it's, it's, I see a lot of the similarities, obviously some things have changed and, you know, football evolved. So it's not the exact offense, but a lot of those principles are there. So we are, we are going to create um, some havoc for the defense in terms of the different formations that we're going to use and we we operate mainly out of 10 personnel but that's changed um using using 11 personnel a little bit with uh with like a hybrid there and uh, also 12 personnel empty um which which I really like and uh so not only are we going to throw all the different formations and and the the personnel groupings at, at them but I really like to be unique in terms of unbalanced, uh, with our offensive line and, uh, receiver, bring in receivers over as well. And, uh, I think that's allowed us to be very different in this day and age of everybody, everybody running, running the no huddle. And, and the other thing that, that we've really been getting into and is varying that tempo again, everybody wants to play fast. It's really not a big deal to play fast because no defense that I know even needs to huddle up anymore. And, uh, It's it's not really creating total havoc for them. Conditioning everybody is 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 conditioning um, now differently than in the past. So guys will be able to play, you know, that extended quarter that that people seem to think there is. But I like to vary the tempo with, you know, going fast, using freeze checks, slowing it down, throwing in a personnel change, um, and then the use of the sugar huddle. And I found that that's kind of been our thing that we're different than all the other spread offenses that I've seen down in this area. And so that, that's the first thing is, is just getting getting kids and coaches geared up to what our brand or our style of, of the no huddle spreads gonna be. And then creating things that are very simple concepts, especially for the kids that play up front and the quarterback, um, very simple concepts for kids to be able to master and understand and get good at. Um, so, for instance, we don't run a lot of different plays in our offense, or even pass concepts, uh, but we can we can dress them up differently by by the way we're going to formation and motion and all that stuff. And so that gives us an opportunity just to get good at at some some you know few different things that we're doing in in our offense.
0: Coach, uh, kind of one of my last questions for you about head coaching, and, and and again, I'm sure you you touch on most of this in the book, which uh, I'm excited about going through, but uh, another big thing I hear from head coaches is you know they get into football to coach football, and they're coaching uh, whatever as an assistant, and they have a blast with their group of kids and and coaching football every day and then they become a coordinator and and they get a few more kids, but it's still coaching and game planning and all of this at practice and then uh, there's certain coaches that become a head coach and and at a lot of schools, now they've got every kid. And so it's, it's hard to have small relationships with kids like you can in a group of 15 or 10 with an offensive line or with whatever your group is, or even as a whole offense, but you're the whole team. And so, so many times it seems like I, I don't get to say, Hey, how was math class? It's like, I'm dealing with all of the problems of everybody. Hey, you didn't do this. You didn't do this, or I'm the bad guy all the time. And then also there's less time for actual football uh, and more time you're spending away from football how have you found it, you know basically to to have fun and continue doing what brought you into coaching in the first place uh, the the exciting parts that made you want to move up the ladder how have you found to work your schedule or uh, your process around uh, to be able to still enjoy some of
1: those things coach that is such an awesome question because like isn't that the truth like yeah like as <laughs> right. I, As a head coach, I'm like, like there's days where I'm like, geez, I haven't even, I haven't even looked at, looked at the film yet. Like, um, I better get on, get on the film and and take a look or like looked at practice film for corrections or, or, you know, do some, some, like some planning for some of the stuff that we're doing offensively, um, because you have all those other hats that you're wearing. So some things that I've really felt that helped me out, um, to stay connected to, all the different kids in our program are, uh, I, I'm i very involved with our leaders council. So th- that's a, a makeup of a bunch of different players on our team. Um, as the head coach, I'm in each period uh, with our football kids. So I have a freshman period, a JV period, and a varsity period. And I get to spend time with all of the kids in the program in that weight training class and, and whether we're doing speed work or whatever. And, and I make sure to to, to reach out to all of those kids. And then um, I'm not, I'm not running special teams anymore. One of our coaches, I, we turned it over to him and he's our special teams coordinator, but I still am very involved in all of our special teams just so I can stay connected to, you know, special teams. You have all the different kids on the team, right? Starters, non-starters, offensive players, defensive players. So that way I can stay connected to the kids that way.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I got you with special teams. Yeah, you get to you get to work with each of those kids. So an, another thing, now you you touch on special teams. I that that's another one that I, of all of the special teams coordinators I've talked to, they almost solely put the responsibility of um, of special teams being important on the head coach. Uh, almost every good one I've I've heard has said well, we give great effort, we have all these great players working hard on special teams because our head coach makes such an emphasis. Is that something that you have to go into each program and and make a big deal about so you can have that buy-in from your kids?
1: Without a doubt, and I've always made sure that I'm very involved because if I'm involved, the, the, the players will obviously see it as, as something that's pretty important too. Um, and it just being such a huge part of the game that um, you know, I've I've never gone into a program where I've just turned that over to to somebody. Um, aside from the fact that I've always seen it as a way to work with all the players and and find ways for those tweeners to to work their way up to to varsity as well. Well, coach,
0: uh, you know, uh, running up on now on an hour. Don't want to take too much of your time, but but before we cut you loose, uh, the the thing I like to ask everybody, and, and really interested in, in your answer to it, but is, is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things that they would be doing that would make you think highly of their
1: offensive line coach? When, when the ball is snapped, not a second before, not a second late, they're getting off as a group. And they're coming, they're coming off at an upward angle and getting under, under pad level of their opponent and their feet are driving like I think that's just a thing of beauty when you see guys get off together like and I'll I'll go back to you know De La Salle um all the well, still they're still incredible but it was always awesome to watch them uh on film how their offensive line just got off the ball and moved people and and uh, I know there was a time where where they didn't have all the D1 kids in their program and they were still winning a bunch of games. And it was because of how they were coaching their offensive line.
2: Love the answer coach, man. It's been uh, an absolute blast to, you know, finally get you on. I know I've, I've followed you on social media for so long. And we've interacted a few times and uh, hopefully get a chance to, to sit down and meet with you in person. I'm, I'm trying to get out to Southern California here in uh, July. They just uh, added a week at the end where we can't really do anything with our players. So, uh, trying to get out there at the end so if that if that happens man yeah let me know let
1: me know if you're coming out would love to uh love to see and show you around
0: be great well coach we appreciate it again man thanks for taking the time uh, uh again go ahead and, and and give everyone the name of your book uh where they can get your book um and and obviously uh, as well as here at the end we'll be putting it at the beginning of the podcast as well for everybody
1: So the the book is called The Plan to Win Resources for Building an Elite Program, and you can find that on Gumroad, the Gumroad website, and I think you just do a search, plan to win, and the book will come up, Uh, and that would be in digital format, or you can get it uh, on Amazon as well in printed uh, format.